0: Hi, I'm Glenn Harper, CPA and owner of Harper & Company, CPAs Plus, and partner in Sula Consulting. In each episode, my co-host, Julie Smith, Harper & Company's practice manager and partner in Sula Consulting, and I will interview a different guest about their entrepreneurial journey. The podcast features interviews with business owners, a.k.a. entrepreneurs, who bring intriguing and entertaining clarity to the entire entrepreneurial journey, giving others confidence to build their business. Our goal is to provide actionable value to you, the entrepreneur, to help you do business or build a business. Every entrepreneur deserves to enjoy the journey. Learning from others offers valuable insight and inspiration. We want to provide insight on the why, the how, the shortcuts, and the value add that many entrepreneurs wish they would have had identified at the onset of their journey. Sit back and enjoy the journey. Ah, uh, welcome everybody! Another episode of the Empowering Entrepreneurs, the Harper and Company Way. I'm Glenn Harper, kind of kind of run this show a little bit. I got my sidekick here, Julie. What do you do, Julie?
1: I'm the barista. Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah. So that's perfect. So she's in charge of really everything except what I say. Uh, we got a special guest today in the studio. We got Don Ross, a uh, National Guard pilot. A financial advisor, good friend, great financial advisor, and just an all-around great American. Hi, Don. How are you? Hoorah. Hoorah. <laughs> All right, What? right. You're, you're dressed in your uh, fatigues today. What you got going
2: on? Oh, I'm just going to do some of my uh, Army Reserve obligation. You know, you got to do so many so many uh, hours a year since I'm not full-time. So So I think at some point you used to fly something in the military? Well, I flew Huey's and Blackhawks, but I retired from that in 07 and re-enlisted in eighteen because uh, I missed it. So, gotcha. um,
1: what did you miss about it?
2: The the guys and and the guy you know the other fellow soldiers and uh, just wearing the uniform. It's uh it's a privilege to wear the greatest uniform in the in the world, greatest military uniform in the world. And um, so, yeah, I love it. I'll be 59 and I got to be out in one more year. We don't talk about
0: age on this show. <laughs> uh, how do you how do you find time to do your real job, which is a uh, financial advisor, correct? Want to give a little plug on what you do and how you do it?
2: Well, we, uh, we do retirement planning. We help people make sure they have a, the proper income plan, a portfolio, estate plan, tax plan, and uh, predominantly retirees, those okay. that are... 50 to 60, or I say retired or within 5 to 10 years of retiring. Are you in shape? Basically, the question I, I get, hey, are we on track? So we look at their portfolios and help them make sure they have a, a, the right plan in place.
0: What's their biggest question
2: they ask you? <clears throat> uh, will I run out of money? Uh, I want to avoid paying too many taxes, and what if I get sick? Those don't sound like complicated questions at all.
0: How did you uh, learn to you know, answer those questions and prepare them properly?
2: OJT JT, I'm the job training. Uh-huh. 33 years. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody, that's the neat thing we do, and we are an independent fiduciary. So it's our job to build you the best plan. And each couple or individual, you know, work with a lot of singles, widows, widowers. Uh, everybody's situation is unique.
0: Got it. How did you, on the -the on-the-job training, how did you decide? Did you work for a company before you went on your own, or did you always start off as an entrepreneur?
2: No, I was with one of the big firms, which is usually recommended, and then you can see the light, and either you want to be part of that big firm that has a very, most of them have a very distinct philosophy on how they want you to advise clients. So I wasn't a big fan of that. That's why I went on my own.
1: So as you decided to make that decision, and you were pivoting towards that, did you have a mentor? Or did you have someone who was kind of helping you think through that and what that kind of looked like?
2: Nope. <laughs> just took the leap. Uh, that's part of being a risk taker or an entrepreneur is like you have faith and you just go do it. And there's two options you're going to do it or you're not. Um, doing su- it's all I understand.
0: So I suspect that's the same as flying helicopters. Either you can or you can't. And it's, it's really complicated to do it, but you got to make the decision that you can do it and you just have to, you have to succeed, right? There is no, there is no option for failure or setback at all. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's really about, it's really, I think, you know, about fear. Uh, I, you know, some people are like, oh, I couldn't do it. I need the systematic paycheck or something like that. But f- back to the helicopters, my favorite part of flight school was who wants to play be the first student in the front seat? And I'm like me, you know, it's like, let's do it.
0: Do you think you were programmed that way, like when you were, were born, or is that something that um, throughout your growing up, you just kind of recognize that you want to be independent, you don't like to be told what to do, you want to do it your way, um, or is it something that you kind of evolved into later? I mean, do you feel like you had those tendencies when you were young?
2: I must have, because when I was about 12 years old, I stole my dad's lawnmower To start cutting the neighbor's yard, and then I did the follow neighbor, the next neighbor down, and Dad's like when you take a, I I had a trailer behind my bike going down the street to the neighbor. I grew up in a suburb of Columbus and Upper Arlington, and uh, I you know used that self propelled mower, and then I built that into business. But here's where it really hit me: is I'm a I'm a busboy at Elby's, which is like a burger joint. Okay like a Frisch's and I got my first paycheck and I realized the paycheck was less than me cutting two neighbors yards. Get it? Mm-hmm. I had more money that way, less taxes. Yes. And I was like, wait a minute, something's not right here. And uh, I kind of rendered my, well, I don't know what it was called then. I was 15 years old. I said, Hey, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to quit and built my business into a company that I sold and started in the financial services.
0: When you say you built a business, that was the landscaping company. Like,
2: yeah, I started okay. off lawn care, uh, build that up to a lawn care landscaping business, and then I sold that in '87. How old were you at that time? I, I sold in '87. I was uh, 24. So you did this for about 10 years running landscaping. Well, I mean, I started as a lawn care, and then probably in college, and uh, I was, you know, I was enlisted in the military too at 18. So I was in college and. Uh, I had, that's when I really built it up.
0: Did you have a bunch of employees or subcontractors? Yeah, I had four. Four? So that's a kind of a big deal at that age. So you definitely had tendencies growing up
2: that you just knew how to figure it out. I didn't think of it. I just did it. My my father sold steel for Bethlehem Steel, and he'd always, 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 always wanted to be self-employed. And when he retired, he finally did that. <clears throat> he started a couple of businesses and did well. And uh, so it's in the blood, but... The years of you know him raising a family of six kids, two dogs, and a, and a wonderful mother of mine, he couldn't really afford to. He didn't. Actually, he didn't. in nine, he left Bethlehem for a while to go start a steel company in Williamsport, PA, and it was just it just didn't work, and they took him back. Uh, you know, great blessing, but he, you know, it's got to be in his blood. So, it's kind of um,
0: probably weird that. Most people can't comprehend the fact that at 15, 16, 17, you're running a business with four employees making money because that is, was terrifying, but it just seemed like an automatic thing to do. And it was way better than going working for the man. It's just hard. People just can't comprehend that.
2: I seem to think about it. I just did it. Uh, Yeah, I just did it. And uh, you just don't think about it.
0: And when you decided to sell it, it was because you're done with being a landscaper or you want to do the next best thing? Well,
2: yeah. I always wanted to be in the financial services. So 87 was a fun year. I bought my first house, sold my landscaping business, started in the financial services. So And then
0: from the financial services, nobody really, we always find generally entrepreneurs always have some sort of mentor or somebody that they hook up with that kind of just takes them under the wing and gives them some secrets and just kind of helps them along their way. Did you have anybody like that? Yeah. Okay. I, was,
2: I started one of the big firms. I don't know if I need to say the name, but, uh, and then you're paired up with a mentor, but he, uh, I, I was, we just didn't connect. He, he was, he was too. which is good. He was too by the book but I wanted to go out, you know, I was walking the halls of OSU medical school, you know, recruiting young doctors. He's like, Oh, you got to do a process. I'm like, I don't do processes. (laughs) You know, I'm walking the halls. Hey, you need a financial advisor. You need a financial advisor. And, uh, uh, long story short, I mean, two years later, I sold that book because I went back in the military to go to flight school. So I started over three times.
0: When you start over like that, do you look at yourself in the mirror and go, what is wrong with you?
2: Uh, most entrepreneurs, Entrepreneurs would never say that.
0: When I say "What's wrong with you?" just I say it like a tongue in cheek. You're oh, looking up and laughing at yourself and going, "I can't believe I'm doing this again." But I can't. <clears throat> I can't imagine you doing something different, working for somebody else at that time because you just you just knew.
2: No, and that's kind of the funny thing is, well, wait a minute, dude, you're also in the military. Well, not full time. That's why I didn't go full time. I I probably would have punched out a commander. So that that's kind of the funny. But I do like the regimen of of the military which is kind of ironic for an entrepreneur. I mean, it really is. I'm, you
1: definitely have to follow a lot of processes. So it feels like you get your fill of that and then you kind of go rogue over here maybe.
2: (laughs) I had a couple of commanders that didn't like my kind of free spirit thinking, but in aviation, which that's what I did for many years, that's processes that I love. I love flying because there is a process, but on the other side of what I've done for 30 some years, I don't like processes. Since I'm in the financial service business, my number one process and only goal I care about is, are my clients getting the best value? Gotcha. Right? I mean, you've known me a long time. Long time. And it, it seems like the,
0: the military and also what you're doing in your financial advisor role, you are really a big team guy. Like, you know, you can't do it on your own. I think that's probably one of the reasons you like the military. You got a whole team that's got your back. And when you went on your own as a financial advisor, you didn't really go on your own. I've known you long enough that you always surround yourself with good people, good relationships that kind of augmented what you do for a living and and kind of supported you with your strengths and weaknesses. They would augment that. Is that a fair statement?
2: Yes. Uh, I mean, I am part of a network of independent advisors around the country and we share best practice with each other. We're all entrepreneurs. A lot of them left big companies like I did. Uh, I have some colleagues that were former school teachers, but one of them said years and years ago he goes and I like this line he goes, I ain't very smart, but I surround my people myself with the best of the best.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. You've always had an incredible you again, you're just a relationship guy. I've, I've been privileged to know you for a <laughs> long time and you just know everybody. You're like you walk in you're like the mayor. Um and yeah, but I that knew. but that served you well because again, I don't you know, entrepreneurs before they make the jump or be when they're deciding on that to do it or not, they're just they're very scared. But then once you make the commitment to do it, there is no turning back. I mean, you don't it's okay to start every day negative. It's fine because it's gonna work out okay. What do you feel like that's a fair
2: statement? Yeah. You know what I you know, when I watch the Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. I see some people up there plugging stuff like, are you kidding me? But if you believe in it, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're trying to sell the sharks on some things. I'm like, for lack of better grammar, ain't nobody going to buy that. And they either all fight over it or they're all like, there's no way. But that person or that couple or whoever's up there, they believe in that. And that's all that matters. Whether they go bankrupt or they make millions of dollars, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur because you you did it. Do you feel
0: like, you know, we see entrepreneurs that uh, we've been privileged enough to hang out with them for like 32 years and thousands of them, and and they all have these kind of tendencies and and you're either going to do, we call do business, where you're kind of doing all the work and running the whole show and doing it kind of solo. And then eventually you make a transition to want to build a business. Where do you think you're at in your journey? Are you still doing business? Are you trying to transition to building a business? Where do you think you're at? My financial services?
2: Yes. I'm still looking for new clients, but I'm not looking to have 15 employees. Is that what you mean? Well, like it seems to me in the last few years,
0: you brought in some talent to kind of take over a lot of those roles that you used to do and do all the paperwork. And so you're not, maybe you're still doing sales and the relationship side, but you've handed
2: off a lot of those duties, correct? Oh, uh, 100%. And, and that, because I have a succession plan, too. I don't want my, you know, I always say this, my, my wife, Joni, you know, uh, she hates when I say it, but if I stroked out tomorrow, I don't want my clients being left in the, you know, on their own, alone. Right. Or Yeah. I mean, that's important to me. So we have junior advisor and some other staff. Gotcha. Do you have uh,
0: aspirations to be, uh, you know, manage, you know. $20 billion and, and and be like uh, Bobby Axelrod or are you more like i uh,
2: I'm small boutique. I sit down with my clients one-on-one. We call each other, text each other. We celebrate birthdays and all that. I, I don't want to be a, and I have colleagues that, you know, they want to bring in a hundred million dollars a year. Now that may not mean anything to you or the yeah. listeners, but that seems like a lot of work. A lot of work. It. I want to sit down with one-on-one and not, you know, not, bring you on as a client and then maybe I'll see you in four years. I mean, I I bring on clients that haven't talked to the advisor in two years and they have big, big accounts.
1: So it seems to me like you're just relationship driven and you've kind of figured out how to bring in a team and put those people around you to do the things so you can continue with the relationships, but maybe take a step back from the day to day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know I could step back from day to day. Uh, but my clients know they can call or text me. That's important to me. You know, doing paperwork, I mean, I'll screw it up. I, I don't go into the database. You know, that's Joni. Never um, touch that. No, 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 no. So uh, I just like being with people, and I got that from my dad.
0: Would you suggest, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, you look at um, the ones that are just doing the grind. They, they love being an entrepreneur, but they're just burnt out. They're not really having fun because they haven't figured out how to delegate and empower their team around them. I, if there's anybody I know, nobody has more fun at what they do than you. Uh, why is that? What is it an attitude thing? Is it just because you've been blessed with the, that gift of gab and just your thing? Or is it because you have a great team? Why is it that you have so much fun doing, doing your entrepreneurial journey?
2: Well, in my, my eyes, it's easy what, what I do. But most people are like you're talking about people's life savings. That seems pretty scary. Well, it is, but if you don't embrace it and have done it for many years, <clears throat> that's that's why it's it's um, it's easy. I, I don't know. It's it's funny you say for that. For me, yeah. like if I think about what you do, I'm like, you know, my eyes are crossed. But that's what you do. Just like you know the the airline pilot or the kindergarten teacher. I mean, it's all about having the passion for it. Then it's not work. I mean, you've heard the old, right. right. you know, if you love what you do, it's not going to work a day in your life.
0: But I mean, I know you well enough to, I, I don't think you uh, go to the, go to the office every day and call it work. You, I don't think you look at it that way. You go and have some fun, you help some people out, you do your thing. I, is that, you know, like I said, how long did it take you to develop that, Swag, because again, when you first start out, you know, you got to make a paycheck, you got to raise family, you got to do those things. When did it switch over where like, wow, this is fun. Let's not worry about it. Let's have a good time with it.
2: Oh, many years ago.
0: Long time. Because
2: uh, it's always what I want to do. That's why in 87, I sold business, bought my first house, graduated college, finished my first enlistment, started in the financial services. Always wanted to do it. I don't know, a buddy of mine, years and years ago, before I even started, he was, I wanted to be like him. He's still in the business. We talk once, twice a year. And so it's like, a now, I, I wouldn't know what else to do. So there is no end game, right? You're not gonna like retire tomorrow. I can't uh, imagine you not running. Oh my gosh, shop. no. We, we I mean, Saturday by noon, I'm already like, let's go, let's go. And I've already played <laughs> paddle tennis for two hours, you know? Okay. So um, no, but that's why I have a succession plan in place, which I think every small business owner should have. Mm-hmm. So you don't leave your clients hanging. Not that they would, but that's the way I look at it.
0: It makes you sleep good at night. A lot of entrepreneurs, they also have these uh, tendencies to want to start up other business and do and do other things.
2: Um, do you have any of those tendencies? Are you happy with where you're at? I'm happy with my dad, uh, where I'm at because here's what happened in 1989. I was thinking about going this, and I did actually go and work on Capitol Hill for a while. I want to do that. I want to do this. My dad looked at me, and I'll never forget this. And uh, he's still alive, 91 years old. He goes, hmm, sounds like a great idea. You're going to be a jack of all trades, a master of none. And what that means is, you if you don't focus on what your core business is, and then they'll all be mediocre. I mean, all right, let's say you wanted to open up a little corner restaurant. Well, Glenn's attention's going over there. What's going to happen to Harper & Company? Correct. Unless you have, I mean, unless you have a really good team in place, which I know you have a great team, but I don't think I, My personal opinion is, since I'm, you know, I'm not a very smart guy, is you you need to do what you do, and if you want to do other hobbies, do hobbies. Correct.
0: And I think that comes down to when you, a lot of entrepreneurs, when they make the switch to actually building a business that can also almost run without them, or they don't need the day-to-day attention, it's more Mm -hmm. like once a week meet your board directors or whatever, then you can do those other endeavors. But you don't ever want to get rid of the mothership because that's the one that provided everything, right? I can't imagine you just walking away from that.
2: I would say, I mean, th- there's some great companies in this city and around the country and the world that these men or women have built this company and then they, and then they put a team in to run it. But they did it that way or they built it to sell it. Um, I, I, don't, I don't have any aspirations to try to start anything else. Yeah, No, I, no, that's fine. That's fine. That sounds like work.
0: Yes, and we don't want any part of that. <laughs> yeah, this is, they're having too much fun. What is your, uh, do you have like a a dream client that you would like to onboard or a dream business deal that you bring on board that you're going to advise them on? Who is like, you could go that person or that company. If I could just get that, there are investment accounts. Is that something that you think about it at all or is it- like whoever comes along, the year before.
2: Absolutely, every time we do a review with a client, I had three yesterday, and uh, and they leave. They give me a hug. He'll high five me. Uh, and, and the meeting was five minutes business, fifteen minutes. What are you doing? What are you catching up with? I'm like, I say to Jonah, how do we duplicate them? And you know, we're so we're still out looking. We get some great referrals, and uh, that client. If you if you want to know what it looks financially. You know, they, they've they saved half a million dollars to two and a half million. That's that's who we serve very well. 10 and up, you know, they need a different planning level. I'm not interested in, but the kind of clients, there's just salt of the earth. You know, I mean, I retire a lot of cops. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't know how far your podcast, obviously, your podcast would be anywhere Hundreds in the world.
0: of millions of people
2: <laughs> worldwide,
0: multiple languages.
2: But as far as Central Ohio, I retire a lot of police officers. I mean, you want to talk about salt of the earth. Okay. You guys. Uh, school teachers, entrepreneurs, um, military, but I look at the kind of people they are, mm-hmm. and they they benefit and they, can, they take value with what we provide and we're a collaborative effort, and that's why we celebrate their birthdays, we do fun stuff together, and they're like family.
0: And the reality is, you know, if you're not producing the desired results for them from the financial advising side, getting the appropriate returns, managing risk, ensuring that they've got their cash flow as they go into retirement, you know, they would leave. So obviously you're doing that well, but then you're going a little bit farther and you're doing more of a personal relationship. Oh yeah. And is that something that um obviously you've always done it that way, but do you did you have to pivot at some point and go, wait a minute, for me to really get my name out there and, and do these things even better, I've got to go and kind of modify how I do that relationship. And it's, is it more sincere? Is it more genuine? Is it more surface level? You know, how do you, how do you, you know, na- navigate that?
2: I I just, regardless of whether we're out doing workshop events or getting referrals, I just, I just be me. I mean, I got to be me pretty straightforward.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> um, do you feel like we look at every entrepreneur, they have like, um, there's something that they're just really, really good at, you know, obviously hand eye coordination with a helicopter is a little bit different <laughs> than the average person, but, uh, you know, from a, a financial advisor standpoint, is it something that is your superpower that you can predict the market or is your superpower that you can predict, uh, re- relationships and you can provide a, a valuable, you know, consistent return. What do you think your superpower is?
2: Uh, Creating a, a really good relationship with that client, because if you look at in our industry the the reasons why people leave an advisor, you brought it up a couple times. Return, hmm? that's like fourth or fifth on the list. Uh, I mean, we all want to get everybody thirty five percent a year on their money, but it's just not realistic. I mean, look why at the not? first look at the first few <laughs> first few weeks of this year, we're 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 down. But my clients understand that. We're going to have that roller coaster ride, and we've built that into their plan. So they don't have these high expectations. And I've showed them an income plan over the rest of their life that they're not going to run out of money if they're not. Mm -hmm. And so they don't get wrapped up, you know, with the markets.
0: Do you find, you know, I love asking financial advisors this question because it's kind of fun. Do you find that, you know, if you have a client and they've got X dollars with you, and you're kind of controlling the narrative on how that works and how it's invested with your portfolio managers and how you operate that. And they come to you and say, Hey, look, I want to take out, you know, 10% of this and go make a alternative investment or start a business or something like that. Are you, um, are you very, do you get supportive of that? Do you try to understand it more? Do you try to have them get some advice on it? Or are you like, no, no, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard.
2: No. Hey, I look at it. This is their money. And uh, if they don't enjoy it, it has no value. And, and our, when we're getting to know each other, I'm asking all kinds of future questions. The biggest thing I'm helping people do is how to buy a second home. That what most people thought. want. Yeah, because remember they're mostly retired, and they're not looking to really start a small business. Now on the side, there's a few that want to be consulting because they're experts at what they've done. In fact, I think I've sent a few to you, and yep. they they can take their expertise from the companies they they retired from and and set up, you know, hang out their own shingle. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that's fun. I'm all about quality of life. The money will take care of itself. It's how do we make sure you're confident you can spend your money and not be freaking out and waking up at three in the morning. So I, that's what we're about is quality of life and the rest of the things will take care of themselves. Have you ever,
0: um, you know, not one time so far in this entire talk, have you ever talked about, um, profitability, lifestyle, making money. It's all, you're just doing what you love. It Was that always the case? Was the money ever a motivation? Cause obviously you do what you do. You're obviously going to, you're successful at it. Did you ever do this for the money or just do it because you enjoyed it?
2: I, I guess I never thought of that. I, 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 I never thought of it. Now, obviously I've been doing this a long time. I've created a very comfortable lifestyle, but, um, I, I guess I didn't think about it as a money because since day one, you know, cutting that first yard for a, for a, for compensation, uh, I just did it because I, I did it on my own. I, I, someone wasn't directing me.
0: I guess to further elaborate, like when you became the financial advisor and said, okay, I'm going to do this, this is my calling. So if I could just get a hundred million dollars under asset under management and I can make a million bucks on that or I want to make 500 million under asset make five you know did you have a a number or did you
2: just go I'm not a really good uh, planner as you know Um, planning as far as that (laughs) what (laughs) cut that out of there (laughs) I can't have that in (laughs) here I sometimes I have a little trouble with goals like not how many clients you want to get but hitting certain numbers because certain how much I want to have under management. I mean, I don't want to criticize anybody that does because then it's like, all right, if I don't get you as a client today, I'm going to miss my numbers. To me, that means I'm not focusing on you. I'm thinking in the back of my head, a goal I got to hit. I mean, goals are important, but you're the only thing that matters right now. And while I'm talking to you as a potential client, I, you know, I don't do that.
0: It, is it fair to say like the military basically gives you all the structure, all the fallback, all the the goals, everything has to happen a certain way there. And now when you go do your, quote, entrepreneurial journey, you're kind of just like, I just want to do what I want to do. I want to help people and the money will come. I, I think that's what you're basically trying to say. You never really set a goal that I want to make X per year or had this many clients.
2: Yeah, exactly. I agree with that 100%.
0: Which is a very common theme with entrepreneurs. They do it because they love it, not because they want to make well, money. Well, we're all
2: over the place, you know. Right. Our minds, that's why we need someone to keep us like that and think like a Joni. But um, th- that's why it's still to this day kind of funny. It's like, wait a minute, military? <laughs> Entrepreneur. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of bizarre. I can't really explain it. I just, I just do it. Just do it. I don't know that someone wants to really take my blueprint and try to start a business off it. Believe it or not, I think most people do.
1: Speaking of blueprint, do you feel like as you've went through this journey and I feel like you, you've you just done it and you've been very successful at just doing it, but have you ever had to pivot or fall forward or is there something you would maybe give the listeners that said, hey, I kind of went through this. If I look back, I would have maybe done this.
2: Uh, as far as me, mm-hmm. maybe – you know, a couple of times I sold my book and left the big firms. I always think back, I started with a the buddy who's one of the top in the country now with this big firm. Uh, I mean, he did a different route. He he acquired other small businesses, but I don't think there's anything I would do differently um, other than maybe a little bit more focus. I think I that's a couple of times I sold my book. It was because I was attracted to do something else over here. Um, and now is when I sold my book, meaning I sold it to another advisor in the big firm. Cause if I took those clients with me, it would hurt them financially based on the investments they were in and things like that. I think that's what you're asking. And that's the only thing I would have done differently.
1: Or is like, you got into the entrepreneur and maybe you were building your business. Is there anything like I would have hired a team quicker or I would have maybe put this process in place or I would have maybe done this a little bit differently.
2: Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid. I mean, if I'm giving direct advice, don't be afraid to hire really good people because they can take and run with some, some, some of the minutiae things while you're focusing on the big picture. And I'm assuming that's exactly how you guys do it. You got to focus on the big picture. You're not, necessarily doing the teeny little return things. I mean, I don't know exactly, but hire good people when it's an investment. You know, they, they always say, take time to hire and fire fast.
1: And something you said that I think really rings true is it's an investment. It's not a cost. You're not looking at your team as a cost. You look at them as oh my an gosh, investment. No. And I think that's such a great mindset.
2: You know, it's like when people talk about renovating their, their kitchen, I'm like, that's an investment. Where do you spend all your time? In the kitchen. In, invest in a great kitchen. So, you know, depending on what kind of business anybody's starting, bring on a great person and spend that money because it'll pay dividends. And
0: yeah, we, we see that entrepreneurs that start out, if they would just, and that's why we talk about the mentor and the team and surrounding yourself with good people, because there's, you know, the the key component of running a business is you need your, you know, we, we feel like you need a, a good CPA advisor. You need a good financial advisor. You need a good banker. You need a good attorney. You need these people because people think they cost too much and not going to help you. But if you have those kind of team behind you right away, literally that's the shortcut. Like you don't have to go through five, seven, 10, 15 years of absolute anarchy when all you had to do is invest a little bit up front and you had paved the way to be to certain success. I mean, you're not going to fail because of something stupid. You may suck at your, you know, whatever you do for a living, but you're not going <laughs> to. Your, your business isn't going to suck, when that's a big deal, right? We
1: use that F word. We don't use that on here. I did, did I use this? Fail?
2: Oh yeah. Oh sorry. Well, <laughs> I actually, I have yes. colleagues that believe failure is the greatest. Uh,
1: well, we call it pivoting lesson. or falling forward. I thought
2: pivoting was a COVID thing.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. We no, don't talk about no, that no, no, we we
1: don't, narrative.
2: we don't talk the na- about the narrative.
0: No, it's a uh, we call it uh, the School of Hard Knocks because we mean, don't
1: believe entrepreneurs really fail. Never. You, everyone just kind of pivots or falls forward or totally, falls into something kind of different. Totally get it. You only you only fail if you quit, and I don't think any of us are quitting. No,
2: I got you. Nope. nope. Did you ask a question in there?
1: <laughs> Sorry, I, I caught him off guard.
2: Sort of No, it was just uh, the uh, the ability. Like, do you
0: feel like when you first started, you had that? You got that advice up front to do these things or do you kind of feel like you kind of watched the mentors do it a little bit and you kind of knew what you needed to do and, and you were able to, do, to handle that
2: okay? Yeah. It, okay. It's all about being around good people. That's why I say OJT on the job training. Now being that I'm part of an independent advisor network group around the country, I think the best, I would say if you're starting in the, I don't know, the, the, the siding business, I would network with the siding guy four counties away or maybe two states away and share ideas on what's the latest and greatest thing on siding, or shingling, or maybe you're gonna be in the paving business, or maybe you're gonna start a, you know, I I bought a home healthcare business many years ago, I bought a franchise, my dad ran it. Um, What that means is you're getting expert advice from someone that's done it. So I, I think, you know, I'm sure you network with other CPAs.
0: Not initially, because, you know, a lot of business owners are scared Traditionally, to talk to quote their competitors, Mm. and that's not the case because you're you, and you only do it your way, and that other person does it their way. They can't be you, and you can't be them, right?
2: Two of my best friends, and you know one of them, fairly big car dealer here in town, Mm -hmm. a Ford guy, and another friend of mine's a Chevy guy. Both behemoths in what they do. They're best friends. They share ideas. They're not competitors. You'd think that, but they're really not. But the mindset of most people is, "Oh yeah, we're competitors." Nope.
0: Do you do a lot of uh, a lot of social media stuff? Are you on have an online presence at all? Or are you just more a relationship guy and referral guy that way, or do you put put your word out there all over the internet and everything?
2: Joni handles that. Instagram, Facebook, we put out good content. You know, we have a weekly Friday video, which uh, I think you're going to be on here pretty soon. By the way, awesome and. Uh, so yeah, we have a social footprint. So right. um, it, it works. That's how people find us. There's all these Google rating things, and we have people that say they found you on the web. I'm like, okay, because we come we're first below some of the ads, right? Mm-hmm. The ads that are on, the, you know, the Merrill's, the Wells Fargo, and all that. And that has to do with ratings. I don't know how that works, but
0: no, that's way beyond our pay grade. <laughs> do you have any other advice that? you would want to give an entrepreneur that's just starting their journey, whether they're 14, 18, 20, 30, 50, maybe the dreaded 60.
2: I don't know if there's advice you can give an entrepreneur because if it's in your blood or your DNA, it's, it's done. You're going to, you're going to do it. But I would say, stay focused and always do what's right for your client or whatever, whoever the end user of what your service or product is And, and you'll never go wrong.
0: Be true to that passion well don appreciate you coming on today it's always a pleasure sitting down and talking with you um glenn harper signing off julie
1: julie smith
0: all right take care at harper
2: and company cpa plus we just don't care about the numbers we care about helping you tap into the greatness of your entrepreneurial journey you deserve a partner who has helped hundreds of businesses go from paying the bills to building the business and lifestyle of their dreams. Go to our website and download our free guide entitled Entrepreneurial Success Formula, How to Avoid Managing Your Business from Your Bank Account. The link is in this episode's show notes.